episode number 29 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. Today's date is April 18th, 2010. This episode, I'm going to do my best to finish up what I started was the anti-terrorism series. And I was planning on doing three shows, and I still may do three shows. Depends on how long this one goes today and how much, uh, how many tangents I get off on. You know how I am. Kind of a packed show for today. We're going to talk a little bit about surveillance, uh, surveillance detection, what to do if you're being, somebody is surveying you, I guess you could say. Things to look for, suspicious activities, things you might want to report to someone. A little bit of uh, residential security. Uh, just touch on a little bit of workplace security, some things you can do in the workplace. And ground travel via vehicle, that kind of thing. Uh, and also uh, a little bit on air travel. And hopefully I can get all that done in this show so I can finish it up because i got a few things that I want to talk about in the near future that I'm kind of excited about. So uh, I don't want to stay away from gunfighting too long. So And uh, the anti-terrorism thing, is it all pertains. Uh, and it's all part of the uh, the whole sheepdog thing. And uh, you know, definitely law enforcement and military applies to them well. But... I really want to get back to the gunfighting aspect of Gunfighter Cast, which is why I do this podcast, and it's why you listen. But before we get into the show, I'm going to answer a couple of our emails real fast. Shouldn't take but a second. Michael Fallon, he sent me an email after the last show, beat me up a little bit on chasing after my realtor, or not my realtor, someone's realtor that was taking pictures of my house, and I cut him off at the stop sign. Told you guys about that. Uh, he kind of beat me up, told me how bad of an idea that was and how bad it could have went. Yeah, I've already thought through it a few times, Michael. I appreciate it. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree. Uh, and anybody out there, if someone's taking pictures of your house, it may not be the best thing to do. And we'll cover some of the things that you should do if that happens or similar things happen there or workplace or somebody's just suspicious uh, and they have enough of a cluster, enough of suspiciousness uh to report them to somebody and what you should report, what you should look through, what you should record. Uh, We'll cover that later on. But you're absolutely right, Michael. I totally agree. Um, Next time, well, I can't say what I'll do next time. Sometimes uh, spur of the moment, you know, action just takes over, but I know it's not the right decision. And I don't want anybody out there to think that that is the right decision to jump in your car and chase after the guy taking a picture on you uh, or taking a picture of you or your house. Also, Jake Youngmark. He's looking to get into Wilson Combat extended slide release for his 1911. Uh, he heard me and Justin a while back talking about extended slide release on our 1911s, and uh, just asked me if that got in the way of the holster, uh, if it, you know, whatever holster I was using or many holsters, if that extended slide release gets in the way. And I will say, yes, Jake, uh, they do get in the way of a lot of holsters. I wouldn't be a fan of having a massive one. Uh, the one I had was the same; it stuck out uh, to the side, the same length or distance as a stock one would but it came back further so i didn't have to displace my hand or move, lose my grip or anything for that slide release that's what it did for me and I, that's what i would recommend that's what i would go for next time uh, i go purchase one again and i would definitely every 1911 i own would definitely have an extended slide release if i can't naturally press that slide release but yeah it's probably going to get in the, in the way of some of your holsters depending on what kind of holster you're going with but you guys know my remedy for that you bust out the dremel tool a file a uh, razor blade, a knife, whatever, and you can just modify the heck out of that holster and easily make anything fit in it. I mean, especially most of these holsters are made out of pl- plastic or Kydex, whatever you want to call it. Plastic's plastic. It's very easy to make things fit into it if you have a Dremel tool. So your options are pretty much endless if you go out there and buy your Dremel tool or some kind of tool similar to a Dremel tool. 
And I hope that answered your guys' questions. And thanks for your emails and your comments. Got a lot more emails on there. Uh, not a lot of time to reply to them. So I'm going to do my best to hit a couple before the next few shows and knock out some of those emails and questions. But thanks for emailing and keep those coming. I really enjoy reading those and, uh, and answering your questions. Uh, the reason I haven't had a lot of time to do these emails and, and do a show is I'm, along with being, you know, a full-time Marine and a full-time, you know, husband and a baby about to be here and all that, I'm also a full-time student. I got midterms next week, and I should be studying for midterms right now because they're on Tuesday, but I'm here for you guys right now, and uh, hopefully I won't fail my test. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get some good studying in tomorrow and I'll be okay. Um, but anyway, let's uh, jump right into the show. Make sure you're somewhere comfortable. Got a lot of stuff to talk about right now. I can already tell this show is going to go over. So if you don't like anything more than 50 minutes or an hour, you better push pause or stop it and hit it later on your next trip to work or whatever it is you do because this might be a long one. All right, first thing we got is going to be surveillance. All right, Now, this could be terrorist surveillance, criminal surveillance, anything. doesn't matter. All right? It can apply, apply to everything. I know I've said this a few times. This is about anti-terrorism, but this stuff can apply all over the place. It can apply in everyday activities. It doesn't have to be because some Durka Durka wants to come blow you up. It could be because somebody wants to rob you. It could be anything. All right? So keep those things in mind. Keep and Just think about it. I, I know I'm going to talk about some things in here that to most of you, not only surveillance, but other, other aspects and things that I talk about later on in the show, I know some of these things aren't going to apply to everyday citizens, everybody that's out there just living and working and doing your thing. Some of this stuff will apply more to military, and it'll apply more to maybe law enforcement or people who travel a lot abroad uh, and all over the world or all over the country. It may not be for you specifically, but it's a lot of good things that could inspire thought and get you thinking about the right things. And so you can make the right decisions later on because you already get that forethought. So I know that there's a lot of military personnel out there that listen to the show because they email me and they they talk to me pretty often and, and ask me questions and send me things and, and give me tips and points of view. And we, we talk and converse. Well, I know there's a lot of military out there. Now, the military gets these classes. They should be getting them once a year, sometimes more than that. Depending on what kind of unit you're in and where you're at, you might get them a lot more often than that. So even if you're military, this is a good refresher for you. And I know sometimes we get tired of go sitting in those buildings for you know a whole day, listen to classes because we got to do that annual training and all that stuff. But this stuff is important. It could save your life. It could save other people's lives. So I understand when I start talking about some things in there. Don't think that uh, you, you'll see later on when I hit some examples of some things that could happen or some things that you know terrorists and bad guys have done in the past to hurt service members and hurt U.S. citizens. Uh, some of this stuff might be a little bit far-fetched if you're just first time tuning in to Gunfighter Cast. You're like, what is this show about? That stuff's never going to happen to me. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it may not ever happen to you, and you may not be at any risk at all to it. Then again, you may. But there's people that listen to this show that that really pertains to a lot. So if I sound like I'm getting a little crazy, that's why. All right, anyway, let's get on into it. Uh, a little bit of surveillance. Uh, basically, someone that wants to do you harm or do someone harm, maybe he hasn't picked a target yet, is going to do surveillance. He's going to pick out a target. And we've talked about this in the past, about looking alert. Not only being alert, but looking alert. If I'm walking through that parking lot out of Wendy's or whatever, and I'm looking like I'm paying attention to my surroundings. My head is on a swivel. I'm looking around, and then there's somebody else who's looking down at the ground, just kind of hunched over, walking to his car. That guy's probably going to be a more likely target 
to a criminal than me because I'm looking. I'm alert. I'm seeing everybody. I'm looking at hands. I'm looking at cars. I'm looking inside of cars. I'm, I'm checking the area out. And I'm not only just looking at things, but I'm analyzing the situation, looking for anomalies, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So that guy may be more vulnerable to attack than me. That doesn't make you invulnerable. It just makes that guy maybe more likely to attack. So that's what they're looking for. They're observing people trying to find vulnerabilities. That way they can plan attacks. If somebody's observing you, then they're also susceptible to being observed as well. If they can see you, then you can probably see them. It just depends on how, how hard you look. So you got to be alert to that surveillance and, and keep your eye out there for it. Somebody who's looking for a target or looking for uh, an attack or somebody who's vulnerable, right? they're going to seek to identify any kind of pattern out there, anything that you can be predictable. They know you're going to do this. They know you're going to be here at this time. They know you're going to travel this route. They know this is the way you dress. They know this is what time you leave. This is what time you come home. They're going to keep an idea or keep an eye out for those things and note those things. That way, if it's anything that they can use to exploit, to, to harm you or do whatever they're planning on doing to you, rob you, whatever, then they're going to use that. And that's the whole reason they're doing that observation on you. Uh, if speaking more along the terrorist lines, if someone's planning on or terrorist or say they're robbing a bank, it's kind of the same thing. They, they kind of carry these things out uh, very similarly. Similarly, I think that's a word. Uh, but usually what they do is they'll have a really broad surveillance. Right? They're going to start out there with maybe, hey, you go check this out. Tell me what you see. Maybe this isn't you know, a high-speed guy who's been doing it for years. Maybe he's kind of a new guy. They're not going to put a whole lot of resources into the initial phase here. They might just send somebody out there uh, to start observing and looking for something. And then... You know, maybe that new recruit comes back with some good information, whatever. Then they'll go into a little bit different, a little deeper phase of it. Uh, if, say, they, this guy comes back and reports that there's, hey, I got a good target. He does this and this and this. But, you know, he doesn't give the greatest intel or the greatest information because he's kind of new at it. Then they're going to send out probably the better people that didn't know what they're doing and put a little bit more resources into this, a little bit more time into it. If they find this target and they got a good prospect, all right, this is the one we're going to go after. Then they're going to intensify that, that surveillance. They're going to focus a little bit more on them uh, and usually get, like I said before, a little bit better uh, you know, operatives or observers, whatever you want to call it. Even as it advances even further, right, uh, they might start taking pictures or uh, if they're planning on you know, attacking you here or there, they might do a walkthrough. Uh, they may start rehearsing. If they're going to rob a bank, they might start walkthrough, rehearsal, robbing a bank. Uh, but they're not. They might even go actually go in the bank and everything, but they just go up there and deposit money instead of actually robbing the place. A lot of times people rehearse these things, maybe in a different bank, or if it's a bomb or anything, they'll rehearse these things. Uh, proven fact happens all the time. Uh, well, all the time, you know, one of these acts or criminal acts happen that's very, very intensively pre-planned. Uh, as the day of attack approaches, as they really start getting close to whenever they're actually going to, you know, initiate this attack or uh, rob the place or do, conduct whatever criminal activity they're going to do, be it terrorist or criminal, then that surveillance is really going to intensify. They're really going to start looking at it a lot more. They're going to be paying a lot of attention to it. They probably have a lot of people around just to make sure they got their P's and Q's and their, their I's dotted and their, their T's crossed and all that good stuff. They also, just because there's more surveillance then, they're paying more attention, you know, they're you got to be really careful about not being seen, especially when they've done all this planning, put all this time and effort, maybe even money into it. They're going to do a lot to keep from being detected. So this is not the time when you want to start looking for something. You want to start identifying these people 
these activities, these observers and the people that are conducting the surveillance, you want to start reporting these things and identify them, keep an eye out for them before this happens. Because when it gets this far, it's going to be really hard to detect. There's a lot of different ways that they can they can do surveillance. You know, it could be in vehicles, could be on foot. Uh, they could be using team surveillance, uh, could be following you. And then when you get to, you know, B Street, such and such pulls out and follows you and the other people turn off. And then somebody else comes out later on. And that's a lot harder to detect than uh, just one person following you because you, you lose that familiarity. You start losing that. Surveillance is key. If these people want to hurt you, do you harm, do your business harm, do your family harm, do you as a person harm? Uh, if they want to do that, surveillance is going to be key to them if they want to maximize the damage. And that's what these people that our enemies want to do. They want to maximize the damage. They don't just go out there and do something one day. They decide to do it. It doesn't work that They are extremely patient. They will plan something for years. Surveillance is critical to them. And for a security personnel, whether you work in a mall one of those mall cops or whatever, or you know, your military or law enforcement or just a civilian working somewhere or out shopping. It's critical to them to have this surveillance. And that's a vulnerability. We can detect this. If we look for it, we can detect the surveillance. And if we report it and it's reported enough time by enough people out there looking, well, we'll get into reporting here a little later on. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But it's, it's very important. And this is a vulnerability that we can get on them and we can help stop things. It's just by being aware of our surroundings. So security programs, security people, security companies out there, this should be one of your top priorities right here. All right, how do we detect surveillance? Uh, there's a few different ways you can detect surveillance, but the most common, most easy way to detect surveillance is be vigilant. Just being vigilantly and constantly scanning people, uh, vehicles, areas, uh, points of interest, constantly scanning the area, constantly analyzing what's going on looking for familiar faces. And there's a lot of different things out there that you can look for. But the key thing is, don't go out there looking for something that's new or noting, hey, there's a guy, you know, and you start analyzing him, what he's wearing, does he look like he belongs, that kind of thing. That's one way to do it. But the top counterfeiting uh, people in the, you know, FBI and... You know, Treasury Department, you know, Secret Service, whoever handles all that stuff. You know, they don't train these people by looking at all these counterfeit bills. They train them by looking at the real thing. You memorize the real thing so much, and you've got it so great, you've established a baseline. You know what a $20 bill looks like. That's your baseline. That's what a $20 bill looks like. I've seen it for hours and hours and hours and days and days and days. There's no doubt in my mind. I have a complete and total baseline of what a $20 bill looks like. So whenever you see a counterfeit $20 bill, you look at it, and you're, it's a lot easier for you to detect anomalies. So say you work in a mall. You're a mall security officer. Just an example. If you're a mall security officer, you should know the baseline for the mall. You know who works here, who works there. You know what the area looks like. You know what kind of people come walk in the morning. You know the whole layout of the place and you you see where people leave things where people congregate where they don't congregate you you notice those things and you, you commit those to memory you get a file folder on your mall in your brain so you can access that at any time you have established a baseline of what things look like and what things should be where they should be what things should be absent what things should be present you've established that baseline so now you look for anomalies you detect an anomaly that's when you report it all right that's when you've probably detected something 
is when you found that anomaly. And if you find multiple anomalies, you just got a cluster. And chances are you better be listening to that little voice in the back of your head. All right, there's uh, different ways they could, they surveillance as well. Uh, look for different people, maybe undercover. Maybe it's a uh, telephone repairman who doesn't have any telephone repair gear. Uh, you know, that's just an example, but it could be anything similar to that. I think I mentioned in the last show about somebody coming to your door wanting to check out your carpet to give you an estimate on what it costs to clean your carpet, but they don't have any carpet cleaning van, you know, or anything like that. They don't even, they don't look legitimate at all. You know, that's probably undercover, all right? He's, he's trying to be using a carpet cleaning uh, company as a cover, which he is not. But it could be anything. It could be, you know, a vendor... Uh, could be a utility worker, could be just somebody passing by, walking. Some, could be somebody at a bus stop that never seems to get on the bus. Uh, you know, like in the movies, that guy with the sunglasses on reading the newspaper upside down, that you can always detect that easy. Well, it's not that easy in real life, unfortunately. But like I said before, you know, look, look for normal signs. Look for normal patterns uh, and, and look for them to be violated. And when they are, chances are you just found an anomaly. You might want to check something out. Just like... Uh, for example, I think I've said this before in an earlier episode, maybe a while back. There's this place when I was in OIF2 uh, and 3. We were uh, in this place called Escanderia, and right outside there, when we had to go anywhere at all, pretty much, if we were leaving the, the FOB or the base to go anywhere to get resupplied or you know go patrol or whatever we were doing, we pretty much always had to go through Musayib. Musayib was a retirement community for Republican Guard. And this was in a time when Zarqawi was a big deal and all that stuff. And there was, there were all Zarqawi supporters and, you know, retired Republican Guard. They pretty much wanted us dead. And it was nasty every time we went through it. We got ID, uh, vehicle-borne ID, uh, firefights, you know, all the time in this area. It was just always nasty. One day we rolled through there, and there, cause there's a vehicle-borne ID. Uh, I was in the rear vehicle. Somewhere in the middle of a convoy, this thing was hit. But there was a lot of dispersion, and none of our trucks were even damaged at all. Uh, there was a generator that you know caught a little bit of shrapnel and got a flat tire. That's, that was our only problem the whole time in this whole convoy. Uh, due to this vehicle-borne ID, somehow a generator caught shrapnel in the wheel uh, on the little trailer and had a flat tire. And that was pretty much it, which is great for us. But unfortunately, there was a family uh, that was driving by at the same time in a car, and, and they got uh, pretty much left the face of the planet on this vehicle-borne ID. It was pretty nasty. But we had to sit here and wait for EOD to come clear this, do a post-blast and clear it before we could move on. So we had the area secured, and it was in the middle of market time. And about 200 yards from us was the market district. We turned left. If we turned right, we were right through the market. If, but we turned left to go out of there. The mosh starts calling all kind of stuff, saying we can't understand. The, the Terps are saying that uh, they're calling to arms. They're trying to get everybody to come out here. They said the Marines are pinned down, and they can't leave. And now's the time to come fight them and things like that. So we stayed here for a while. You know, we had to stay for EOD to come clear our blast. And the market just cleared out in the middle of the market time of the day. Everybody's shutters were closed. The market was completely done. Everything was packed up. Everything was gone. It was like a ghost town out there. It was a bustling market an hour before. And then all of a sudden, it was just dead. It would take an idiot to not realize that that's an anomaly. Something bad is about to happen to us. And they did. They opened up with some RPGs and some uh, machine gun fire and stuff, and uh, they ended up uh, not doing too well with their attack, but they tried. So, you know, I give them that, but they didn't do too well. Uh, we ended up calling in some 
we ended up calling in some fixed wing and uh, we uh, fought them for a while. Uh, we had zero casualties and uh, we didn't really take the time to go check and see how many casualties they had, but they stopped fighting. Uh, but moving on, uh, look for familiar faces. Memorize faces. Start looking at faces. Look at eyes. Look if you see that same face, that same familiar face at the bus stop every day, and he's not getting on the bus. You know, chance. What is that guy doing? And he keeps looking. You know, maybe one day he's got a camera. Who knows? You know, just little things like that. It may not be that obvious, but that's just an example, kind of a crude one. Uh, but just keeping out there for familiar faces, especially if somebody's surveilling you, just as an individual. You keep seeing this guy behind you. Whether you go in the store, you go in a coffee shop and get your coffee, then you come back out and this guy's still there, you know, and then no matter everywhere you go, he's right there. You know, that's that's kind of an indicator. I would definitely start getting a little nervous about that. But basically, you know, anything that's, like I said before, anything that should be present but isn't, uh, you know, or, you know, maybe is present but it shouldn't be. Just, you just got to trust your gut. I hear people say all the time in other podcasts and stuff, that little voice in the back of your head. That's so true. You've got to listen to that voice in the back of your head. Never ignore that little voice in the back of your head. If it doesn't feel right, if walking down that alley doesn't feel right, don't do it. If getting in that elevator with those shady-looking characters doesn't feel right, don't do it. If going to the car, to the people that are calling you to their car because they want directions for some reason, don't do it. Listen to the voice in the back of your head. It will save your life. All right. That's a few different ways of detecting surveillance and things we can look for. Now, what, what to do if you've, you've detected surveillance? Okay, somebody is watching you. Something's going on. So now what do we do? All right, here's some things you can do to, to respond to the surveillance. Maybe even lose them or maybe check to ensure that they are following you and you somebody is actually you know conducting surveillance on you. All right, if you're followed on foot... You know, there's a few different things you can do here by you know, just changing your pace. Step up to a brisk walk. See if he keeps falling. Uh, slow down. See if they keep falling. Maybe uh, dip into that coffee shop. Grab that coffee. You know, drink a little bit sitting down. And then get up and walk out. And if you still see that familiar face still following you, chances are you're probably, uh, somebody's probably conducting surveillance on you. You can stop, do a little window shopping, you know, go into a store, some kind of business or whatever, walk in and then walk right back out another door, uh, walk in, you know, maybe just turn right around and go the other direction. Uh, there's quite a few different things you could do. You don't really want to be obvious, but at the same time, it's good to be a little bit obvious that you're, that you're, you've got an idea this is going on in some situations, because just the fact that you have compromised them or they believe they possibly compromised could stop the surveillance. Uh, it could say, hey, this guy, he's paying attention to what's going on. He's caught me. And then you catch the next guy or whatever. And turns out, hey, this guy's really paying attention. Maybe he's not the best target. Maybe we should go pick another target. That could save your life as well. Once again, just by paying attention to your surroundings and making the right decisions. Right, uh, you can always, like I said, turn around. Uh, if you turn around, look for a familiar face as you do that. Look for, See if you can detect that person. But if you've confirmed or you strongly suspect that somebody's conducting surveillance on you or you're they're following you don't confront them walk straight to or drive whatever you're doing go to a police department go to a public place where there's security uh, preferably armed security because you know the rule uh, i'm sure you've all seen the the websites or pictures or bumper stickers or whatever is out there 
that, you know, the, when you go to a gunfight, make sure you have a gun, obviously. You all know my policy on that one. But also, you know, bring your friends that have guns. So go hang out. If you think somebody might be trying to do you harm or, or conducting surveillance on you, go somewhere where the good guys got guns. And uh, so you all got guns. It makes it even better. Maybe uh, if you're near a military installation, pull in there. They're probably not going to want to go follow you in there. Maybe the police department might work as well. Maybe just uh, a uniformed officer just because you stopped by the mall. You know, they could also uh, help out. But as you detect this or if you actually get eyes on them and you, you know that you've got a description, remember everything you can about them. Facial hair, uh, their hair, their build, their height, their skin color, everything that you possibly can. What they're wearing from the head to the toes. Uh, if they're using urban masking, wearing glasses, some kind of hat, whatever. Remember everything that you possibly can and write it down as many details as you can as soon as you can. That way you don't forget them because things start getting a little bit blurry within time. And somebody keeps asking you questions or keeps going back and somebody might ask you a leading question to lead you into something. You never know. And you, you start coming into things might start changing. That red shirt became blue because it could have been blue and you're not really sure now. But you write it all down immediately as soon as you can. And that's going to help you out a lot. And not only help you out, it can save somebody else's life. Because you never know, you may be the 10th person that day to report surveillance going on in the area. There may be uh, somebody down there already investigating a possible terrorist act or a bank robbery or something that may be coming up because they you know, heard some things through some informants or whatever. And you, what you gave them was just one thing that they really needed to go, go conduct something or, or get a name or any. Who knows? It, we don't know. Because we don't get to know every single thing that's going on in our country. We can only do our part in our little our little bubble. Uh, we do our best in that. Right, any kind of suspicious individuals like we, we've discussed that may be using cover or whatever they're doing, they're near your home or work, give those detailed descriptions. All right? Any little thing that you can do, do what you can. All right, well, that's pretty much about uh, terrorist surveillance or any kind of surveillance conducted on you that I'm going to go into. There's a lot more methods for detecting, a lot more you know, methods for responding to it, but it's just usually an hour-long podcast. We're not going to go on for hours about detecting surveillance. Uh, I think we got the, the general uh, of, the, of the horse. We beat him pretty, pretty good. But this kind of goes along with the, ter- with the surveillance that we just talked about and the suspicious individuals. I'm just going to mention real quick about suspicious activities that we might want to keep an eye out for. All right, some kind of uh, elicitation. That's when somebody who is unauthorized, but he tries to get information, you know, maybe having to do with some kind of security measures. Maybe it's computer security, internet security, or maybe it's uh, actually physical security of your company or whatever it is. That's pretty suspicious. I talked a little bit about that before. People asking about how many people are on that base. You know, what hotel are you staying at? That kind of thing. Not something you want to give out. Just make sure you don't give out any kind of information concerning any kind of security guards when the guard changes. Even if you work at the mall and you think that I'm just a mall cop, you know, a mall ninja or whatever. Don't give out any information. You don't need to talk about that stuff. People don't even need to know on Facebook what time you're going to work and what time you're going home. Because that's a shift change. They know that. Little things like Michelle's getting a little overboard right now. I don't know. But they don't need to know that. They don't. So keep it to yourself. Uh, anybody who's trying to test security measures, you know, maybe 
uh, in a playing type way or any kind of way, anytime they try to test those security measures, then that's a pretty good indicator that maybe they're up to something. You might want to go a little bit further and report them or check into a little bit more if you're in that type of position. Anybody who has any kind of false ID uh, and he's trying to attempt, you know, any kind of access or some kind of, you know, he's not authorized, but he's trying to get in. Somebody needs to know about that a little bit higher for you. Maybe he was just trying. He doesn't have the right ID and he knows he doesn't. And maybe it was just, you know, a simple ID expired and he actually does belong. Who knows? But you need to look a little bit more into it. Don't just send him away and think it's just fine. Report that. Get that height, weight, description. Get that eye color, hair color, you know, everything you can on him, like I said earlier. Like I said before, any kind of changes in local conditions, uh, anything that you detect any kind of anomaly, any kind of anomaly when you're out there, if you're a security guard or whatever, law enforcement officer, um, military, anything that's an anomaly that's not in the norm for what you're responsible for in your little area operation, report that. Somebody who keeps driving by, keeps driving by in the same vehicle or even worse, drives by in another vehicle and you recognize the face. That is definitely something you might want to keep an eye out for and start reporting. And not only report their face and what they look like, but the vehicle, tag number, make, model, color, all that stuff. If someone comes to you and you know, you're know that security guard again, reports a, st- a stolen or lost ID card, somebody else needs to know about that. We need to get that fixed so that thing's not used by anybody else. Any kind of abandoned boxes, uh, cars for a long period of time, or maybe a short period of time when it just does, shouldn't be there. Uh, briefcase, anything like that. Some kind of suspicious mail that has excessive postage, uh, what else? Excessive postage, really weird shaped box, probably some misspelled words, strangely uh, postmarked, uh, who it's sent to, that kind of thing. Maybe smells funny, maybe shakes funny or whatever. Might want to report those things instead of opening it. I mean, any kind of general unusual interest in what goes on uh, security-wise, anything like that uh, in your life or you know, your security at a business or law enforcement, whatever. Anything that's just kind of out of the norm, might want to let somebody know because you may not be the only one who's ever reported it. All right, well, that's pretty much all I got for surveillance and suspicious activities. I hope you got a little something out of that one right there. And we're not going to take any break or do anything else. We're just going to roll right on into mm, ground travel security. A lot of criminal and terrorist acts happen outside of the home. They happen out when you're about, when you're commuting, when you're going to work, coming home from work. Uh, when you're at work, when you're, but a lot of times it happens in transit while we're moving. And there's a lot of different things you can do to, to help minimize that risk. All right, let's say, let's say you're buying a car or you're renting a car. Either way, get a plane car. You don't need to get anything crazy, especially if you're overseas. You don't need to go rent that Lamborghini. All right, get something that's not going to stand out and say, look, I'm the rich, crazy American that's obnoxious. And look at my bright red Ferrari. You know, there's no need for that. None whatsoever. I don't care how much money you got. You create more risk for yourself by doing that. Try not to have any rental agency bumper stickers because that just says tourist. That says attack me, even if you're in the States or if you're overseas somewhere. Avoid that. You don't want your car to look like a rental car, even if it is a rental car. Keep it in good repair. If it's your own car, you know, keep it fixed up. You got something wrong with it, take it back to the rental agency. Uh, if something's wrong with yours, get it fixed so it's reliable. Keep that gas tank at least half full. The more gas in there, the better. And I am the world's worst at this. My wife thinks that I've got some kind of crazy thing wrong with me where I always try to create more stress for myself. And I do. I enjoy stress sometimes. It's just the right kind of stress. Sometimes I let my gas go down way too far and I keep passing too many gas stations just because I want to 
get a little bit of excitement on that trip to make sure I can get to that next. I don't know. It's kind of. It's. I guess it's a problem I have, but I think I'm getting. I think I'm okay because I don't run out of gas very often. But every once in a while I do. But it's all in good fun. But keep that tank at least half full. Not good practice to let it go down to the E. Really not. You can also look at those tires. Make sure your tires are good and everything's just ready to go, serviceable, ready to run for a while, uh, not too wore out. Just small different things you can do. All right, when you're parking your car, always lock your car. Don't give anybody access to that car. I mean, they could put anything in there. They could take anything out. Stealing things from your car is not always the biggest problem when your car is unlocked. It could be something going in there that you don't want in there. So always lock your car. Now, yeah, they can still get in there by breaking the windows if they really, really want to. But chances are you're going to detect that somebody's enter, enter, entered your vehicle. And if they use some kind of other device to get in there, you may not be able to detect. But you just made it harder for them. And you also kept honest people honest by uh, maybe you got your iPod touch laying there in your seat and your door's locked. And a criminal walks by, he'll break your window and take it. He might break your window and take a pack of Newports, you know, because he needed to smoke. A good guy, an honest person... Wouldn't break your window. But if your door's unlocked and he sees it's unlocked, you know, maybe I can just reach right in there and take it. And he looks around, nobody's looking. Might reach in there and take it. So lock your doors. All right, keep honest people honest and make the bad guys work a little bit. Don't make it easy for them. Uh, try to leave your car on the street overnight. Leave it somewhere in a garage or somewhere where you can, uh, next to a light, next to somewhere where cars are supposed to be parked, where they can be observed or they look like they can be observed by someone who might want to do something with them. Before you get out of your car, after you park, or uh, maybe you're leaving somewhere and going out to your car, look for somebody who's suspicious around. Just look for the people. Look for something out of the baseline before you get out of your vehicle. Look for something outside of that baseline before you walk out of that store to your car. I mean, this isn't like you stop and pause and scan the area and look around for five minutes. You just do it as you're walking. It's just a simple thing. Just looking around. Instead of reaching in there, digging for your keys, you know, looking down at whatever you're getting your keys out of, just while you're doing that, look around. It won't even change your life. You won't even know that you're doing it. Uh, say you're going to go somewhere and you're kind of the, the bougie type or whatever and you get that cash flow. And you're going to run over to a, a restaurant that's got uh, a valet parking. Or maybe your hotel you're staying at parks your car for you. And, you know, I've kind of felt like a bigwig a few times and went some places where they actually parked my car and felt like I was pretty cool even though I knew better. You don't give them all your keys. You just give them the ignition key. That's it. Don't give them everything. All right? They can make copies of those. They can do a lot of different things. And it's a really good way for someone to get easy access. So just give them your ignition key. That's it. If you get your car in the garage, close your garage doors. There's no point in putting in the garage and leaving your garage doors open because somebody can come in there and tamper with your vehicle, can tamper with your stuff, take your stuff, whatever. You might as well close those garage doors. See it all the time people leaving the garage doors open with their cars parked in there. And all kind of nice stuff in there for people just begging people to go steal. There's no point in doing that. I mentioned that's an easy access to your house. Remote garage doors openers. Those are great because you pull right up. You're in the security of your vehicle. You can step on the gas and run over somebody if you need to. You can hit the reverse and get out of there if you need to. All right, you're in your vehicle. If you can press a button and watch your garage door open, see there's nobody in your garage, park your car in your garage, close your garage door, notice that nobody has entered your garage, and get out of your garage. That means you can get in your vehicle and out of your vehicle at the beginning of the day and end of the day under the security of your closed lock garage. Can't beat that. So that's about as safe as you can get for parking your car. All right, if you're, say you're on the road, uh, if you're on the road, or, or say you're getting ready to get on the road, uh, you just walked out of Wendy's or you walked out of somewhere, uh, maybe it's 
you're in a hotel and you stay there overnight and you walk out you know through the lobby you walk outside you go to your vehicle before you get into it you might want to check beneath it for any kind of tampering or, or bombs <laughs> or you know some kind of explosives or whatever this is one of those things that I know some people are gonna think what I need to look at my car every time I go get in my car to make sure there's no bombs under it that's just crazy now yeah for you it probably is crazy for me on base it's crazy right here but you know, if I lived in Durkistan and I was on uh, Marine Security Guard duty or something like that, then that's something that I would do every single time. It's not bad practice right now, but yeah, maybe it's a little bit crazy. Maybe it's not. Uh, it's, there's been many cases where people have gotten blown up, and they probably could have detected it before they got in there. But uh, it doesn't really apply to me, and I'll admit that. It doesn't really apply to most of you. But I'm sure somebody listening, it may apply to so it's not going to hurt. Look, there are a lot of times that I will uh, walk around my vehicle just to check. Uh, one of the major things, I'm a big fan of Toyotas because they have, uh, well, I'm a fan of Toyotas because of a lot of reasons. I'm not going to get into my truck that I had from the time I was 17 years old to about two years ago when I sold it. And I, I cry sometimes when I think about it, so I don't want to get into that because it will become an emotional gunfighter cast episode. And I don't want to do that because I really wish I hadn't have sold that truck. But anyway... I had it for a really long time. But they have the gas cans on the gas caps on the same side as the driver's side on their newer vehicles. Well, at least all the vehicles I've owned, the truck and my Toyota Helix Surf that I have here in Okinawa. I don't have to go walk around my vehicle to go check it. I don't, and I can just, that's one of the major points where somebody wants to set something up. They can do something very simple and really fast with that gas cap, that gas can. So, here I know I'm off on a tangent again, but you know here I go. But it, it does, it's not bad practice to walk around that vehicle and check it out. It's not bad practice to look under it. Now, I ain't gonna act like that. I look under my vehicle every time I go out there, or walk around it every time I go out there. But if I thought somebody was conducting surveillance on me or following me or something was going on in my area, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out because I don't want to get blown up. I'm allergic to bombs, just like I'm allergic to bullets. But just something you might want to think about. Now, I said this before, the last show, if you're driving home or driving to work, vary your routes. Don't go the same direction every single time. Change it up a little bit if you can. Always wear your seatbelts, lock your doors, keep your windows closed. Some people might would argue the windows things down. I might even argue it myself because you can hear things. You get your senses a little bit heightened if you have those windows up. But if you have the windows or windows down, but if you have the windows up, if you have the windows up, then nobody can just reach in and grab you if you're in a, you know, a highly populated area. Uh, they're actually going to have to break window first, which may be a bad thing, too, because now you got glass in your eyes, unless you're wearing eye protection, like I told you guys a few shows ago to do. Then, But, you know, there we go again. You, you can decide what to do with the windows. It's up to you. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, it's always good to travel with companions. Right? Uh, nobody wants to fight two people, okay? Two people are kind of okay with fighting two people, but two people would rather fight one person. You know, just having somebody else with you, is a little bit more security, and it's another set of eyes out there, especially if he thinks like you do, and he listens to Gunfighter Cast, because you told him to listen to Gunfighter Cast, and you sent him an invite to join the Gunfighter Cast Facebook fan page. Right, avoid isolated roads and dark alleys. Uh, obviously, I mean the dark alley. I mean seriously, people don't really gotta take us there from dark alleys. Don't go to the dark alleys. Uh. Here's something that people who ride with me always give me a hard time about. 
I don't pull right up behind somebody who's in front of me. If I'm in the middle lane, right lane, left lane, I like to be in the right lane because I can go over medium. I don't drive anything usually unless it has four wheels or four-wheel drive. Now, I had a little Mazda 6 for a while and had to get rid of that because to get a Jeep because I really can't handle just having a little car. Uh, and here I've got a, you know, like a, it's like an older 4Runner, a little bit bigger, sits off the ground a little bit more than a stock 4Runner would have in the States. Really like it. They got really high medians here in Okinawa, but separating the roads, uh, both sides of the roads. But I can drive over those things with no trouble. My, my truck would probably even like driving over those. It would enjoy that. So I, I don't mind having to drive over something. My tires probably wouldn't pop or anything, jump off the rim or anything. I can hit these things as long as I don't do it in too high speed. So I have the ability to jump that median if I need to. Now, if I'm parked right next to, right behind this car in front of me and somebody tries to attack me, Robbly, maybe he's just mad at me because I cut him off at the last intersection and he wants to yell at me or drag me out of my car and beat me with a tire iron, I don't know what he wants to do. But I'll tell you what, he can't do it to me because I always keep space between my vehicle and the one in front of me. That means I can get up speed at least enough to move that vehicle out of the way if I need to a little bit, just to cut it at a corner, at an angle, whatever I got to do. I'm going to get out of there. Unless I'm completely boxing in in the center lane, which I do my best to not have that happen, I can get out of there some way. So there's no need to pull right up behind that person in front of you. Leave some space to get in there. Leave some space to get out of there. So you've got a little bit of reaction time, a little bit of room to react, to drive out of that situation if you can. Because people, a lot of times, they do, they do attacks, and they'll box people in. And then they'll do what they got to do, kidnapping, whatever they're going to do, right there in broad daylight, especially in other countries. Now, this happened in Iraq. It didn't happen to me, but we were training some Iraqi National Guards, and they had this major that was in charge of them. Called him Major Mohammed. They call everybody Mohammed over there, so I don't know what his real name was. I'm assuming it was Mohammed. But uh, this guy was crazy. I'm not even going to tell you all the stuff this guy would do because it probably wouldn't be good. But Major Mohammed was, was kind of... Kind of a, a pretty tough guy, all right? I really like Major Mohammed. Never really talked to him very much, but I, the hearsay and uh, the way the, the Iraqi National Guard and the Marines thought of him that were with him all the time, he was a pretty serious dude. But obviously a good guy that has the stature that he had in the area, and this was in Northern Babel Province, the Sunni Triangle of Death, they wanted him dead. And... Uh, one day he was driving to uh, the Green Zone for some kind of meeting because he was uh, the, kind of the boss of the Iraqi, Iraqi National Guard in the area. He was driving to a meeting, and somebody pulled him right behind him and pulled him right in front of him and blocked him in. He couldn't go anywhere. They got out, pulled out pistols and AKs, started shooting him up. Major Mohammed somehow fights his way out of the vehicle. Uh, him and his driver and the one guy in the back seat end up killing multiple bad guys. And uh, the driver was killed, and his other you know, guard or friend, whatever he was that was in the back seat, was killed as well. Major Mohammed finished the fight, killed the rest of them, and he was boxed in. He couldn't leave in that vehicle, and he thought there was more bad guys around, and there was still some jumped in the lead vehicle that boxed a men's vehicle and took off and got away. And that was just one more thing that added to how you know, badass, I guess I'll say that, um, that shouldn't be too bad of a word. I'm talking about donkeys that, that makes my podcast no longer clean. Um, Major Mohammed was. So <laughs> they will try to box you in sometimes. Uh, hopefully not you, but maybe somebody uh, that's in a, a higher risk environment kind of thing. Just food for thought. All right. Now, if you're being followed in a vehicle, here's some things you can do. 
Whenever you're conducting turns, you're, you're turning right, left, whatever, doing a U-turn, see if that person's following you. Look in that rearview mirror, slow down, see if they actually come in and follow you. All right. Uh, like I said before, don't, don't try to stop and, you know, confront them or anything. Either you're in foot or vehicle, not a good idea. All right. Whatever you do, don't drive home. Don't drive to a family member's house or a friend's house or anything. Go to, you know, if you live near a base, go to a base, like I said earlier. If you live near, or if you even don't live near, go to a police station. Go somewhere where they're not going to follow you. Take them there. All right? and, and remember, get a description the best you can and write that down as soon as you can. Not only the vehicle, but the occupants and you know the license plate. Whatever you can get, write that down and report it. All right, there's a few events you know that people have used in the past. Now I'm just going to run through them. I'm not even going to comment on them that people have used in the past that you might want to think about. The last show I talked about really briefly about people on the side of the road that you may not want to stop and help. Just analyze the situation. Maybe it's an old lady who needs help changing a tire. Maybe it's not. Think before you react, though. But a few things that have happened before, uh, they'll have cyclists fall in front of your car. And maybe a flagman that looking like they're they're doing road work stops your car. Uh, maybe if you're another, these are more of another country, some of these are. Uh, unusual police or government checkpoint. I've just got these written down, uh, if you haven't noticed. Uh, a disabled vehicle or accident victims on the road. Unusual detours. Another car strikes your car. Uh, cars or pedestrians box you in. Sudden activity or gunfire. Motorcyclist drives between lanes of traffic to approach your car. Now, that's not anything that would apply here in Okinawa because motorcyclists drive between lanes of traffic. Ah. Motorcyclists drive between lanes of traffic all day, every day. But what you need to do, you know, maybe if something, if you detect something that's going on, blow your horn so eyes start coming at you. So people start looking. Maybe that will deter them a little bit. Uh, you know, try to put a vehicle between you and maybe the whoever they are that's trying to attack you. Uh, try to get away the best you can. Hopefully you've left space between that car in front of you so you can get away. If you got to jump the curve or whatever, you'll be okay. Try to jump it at a, at a little bit of an angle and you shouldn't have any trouble. You hit it head on, you might knock those tires off the rim or maybe puncture your tires depending on the medium. A lot of different things are going to happen. So try to hit it at an angle a little bit. If you got to ram the vehicle, ram the vehicle to get out of there and go to the closest safe haven, whatever you got, police department, military base, anything you can. And obviously you're going to report that. All right, say, you're, uh, say you've decided that you're not going to drive to work today. You're going to practice a random anti-terrorism measure, and you're not going to drive. You're going to go ahead and jump on a bus and take the bus to work just to throw them off a little bit, just in case somebody's conducting surveillance. You're going to mess with them. Try to select a stop that's pretty busy. All right? Now, this could go both ways, depending on where you're at. Maybe that busy one would be one that's targeted if you're actually talking about an incident. Uh, maybe the busy one's the best because there's probably not going to do anything to you individually because there's a lot of people around. Just depends. Just think about it. Uh, if you're taking a taxi or whatever, don't always use the same taxi company. Take a different one. If somebody you don't know says, hey, come get in this taxi or directs you to it, that's probably not the one you want to get into. Uh, make sure it's a licensed taxi, uh, licensed bus and all that stuff, and they all got their right credentials up. They should all have them posted right there. Uh, every taxi I've got into... Always has a little little thing posted and says you know where their credentials are and they work for such and such company and their name is this and blah blah blah. Obviously, you want to make sure that the driver is the person on the credentials, and try to travel with somebody if you can. Not only is it going to be safer, but it's also going to be cheaper. Two people paying for one cab fare is cheaper than one person paying for one cab fare to that individual person. And tell the the taxi driver what route you want to take. Don't just say take me here. 
say, take me here, uh, down, interstate, blah, blah, blah. Right? Be specific. All right. Now, here's something that I'm going to confront here again that I've been confronting a little bit lately, a little more than I want to. Air travel security. Because I, I may have said this before. You know, there's been times in the past in the Marine Corps where I was on helicopters all the time. And I love flying helicopters. I enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, if I get to talk to the pilot before we get on, I'm like, hey, do something crazy. You know, let's, let's, let's have some fun. You know, whip us around a little bit. Take us low. Do something cool. And usually they won't do it. Sometimes they will, you know, if it's, you know, within reason. But uh, airplanes, I hate them. I'm incredibly nervous when I fly in an airplane, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. I just do not like to fly. I somehow always get stuck in the very back of the airplane where the tail end whips around all over the place, and I have complete view of the wing, and I can see that wing bouncing all over the place, and it just doesn't look like this airplane should fly. But I know they want to fly. They don't want to go down. They want to stay in the air. But, man, I just don't like to fly. I don't enjoy it. Now, you add that into having a lot of people around me that I don't know from anywhere. I don't enjoy it. I get nervous. I don't get crazy, but I get nervous, and I think it's a good nervous. Now, not only am I worried about my airplane crashing down, but I'm worried about everybody around me. That doesn't mean if I see somebody suspicious that I'm going to go tackle them or report them or anything. Uh, just to, Well, if they're suspicious, I may report them. It just depends on the level. But... um I do take a few different precautions when I fly, and I develop a plan. Now, last time I, I flew was flying back from, uh, from Thailand, and there was a Marine with me. There was a lot of Marines with me. And what I told him was, and I had my carry-on, uh, I told him what we're going to do if somebody jumps up and tries to take over this airplane or does something that's just crazy that you might want to try to take over it or you know flies into something you know whatever skyjack us anything what we're going to do is you're bigger than me you're going to grab your seat cushion and you're going to go tackle this guy because seat cushions are shields they got two little straps on them and everything you can use these things for shields they're awesome all right you can so you're going to go over here, and you're going to try to push this guy or whatever, and I'm going to be hitting him in the face as hard as I can because I got brass knuckles. Now, I don't really have brass knuckles, but I got a carabiner that fits my hand perfect, and I hang my hat on it, or I hang my Nalgene water bottle on it. But everybody at the airport looks at it and like, oh, he's hanging his water bottle. Oh, that's a nice little idea. I think I should get me a carabiner next time. But me, I'm like, yeah, I got to hang my water bottle. Of course, I got to empty it before I get on the airplane because you can't take liquid on. But I've also, if something happens really bad, that carabiner is going on my hand, and I just got a politically correct brass knuckle that nobody's going to question, and they never do question. Now, am I going to take over the airplane with it? Absolutely not. I'm a good guy. But that's another way for me to defend myself. All right. um, a lot of different little things you can do there. And I've been doing this brass knuckle thing for, well, I didn't fly for a few years, but before I went on my flight, you know, of a, I guess last November-ish or December, uh, end of November, you know, I was I was flying, and I, I thought of the brass knuckle thing because uh, I had a couple of them. And then uh, it was funny because about three weeks ago, I read in a magazine. And I forget what magazine it was. If I can remember, I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. There's actually an article about airline security, what you can do as a, as a, as a, as a passenger on, a, on an aircraft for defense. And a lot of these things have went along with what I had briefed my wife on when we were getting on the plane to fly over here. And that I talked to my buddy about when we were getting on the airplane flying back from Thailand. And then I read this magazine. I was like, wow, you know, somebody else has thought of that. That's pretty cool. And because uh, I was planning on talking about it later earlier. And then I saw his, his article. If I can find that, I'll link that to you and, and get his name out. I think I already gave that magazine away. 
but uh, I'll try to figure it out because you guys might be interested in that. There were some things in there that I didn't really agree with that were kind of went into the whole martial arts thing. Like the best thing you can do is slap some guy in the ears and give them that cupped hand slap to distort their equilibrium or whatever. And, and you know, I, when somebody gets into that stuff, they kind of lose me because I think cupping your hand and slapping somebody in the ear is pretty much the most retarded thing you can do. Now I can take this guy head head and slam it against the wall, or uh, you know I can beat him in the face with my you know carabiner or you know knees elbows whatever or I can cup my hand and slap his ears you know I'm telling you what I'm gonna do and it's not gonna be cup my hand and slap his ears it's gonna be thumbs and eyes you know whatever else I can do but cupping my hands and slapping ears is pretty much the last thing that I'm gonna think about doing to somebody and it's just ridiculous but and that's my opinion someone else may say something different but in the fights I've been in anyway um, but that's some things that I thought about. And my wife, I put her on the inside. I put her on the inside next to the window. That if somebody does try to take over that airplane or does something, and they come by butt-stroking people, or well, hopefully they don't get guns on, that'd be pretty crazy. Or they come by hitting people or whatever, uh, or they're just running that food cart down really, really fast down the aisle to hit people on the knees. You know, my wife doesn't get hit, because that would be a terrorist act, wouldn't it? Hitting, getting really hit really hard by that uh, that food cart in your knee. But uh, I, I put my wife on the inside next to the window, so she's least likely to get any blows or hit or noticed so she's out of out of that line of sight and i'll sit closer to the aisle to put myself in harm's way and also if i see a point where i might need to react and do something then i can easily get there uh very quickly uh, or faster than i would if i was all the way against the window and something else i look for was people that i could recruit people that look like they were military people that look like they were law enforcement or just had that look i can smell a marine a mile away I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I can smell a high school student that wants to go in the Marine Corps. And most Marines can do that, too. We can just smell it on each other. Even if he's not in, in smelling range, I can see it. And I can, I can just tell from, you know, 100 yards away. It's, it's, just, it's one of those things that it's really easy to do. And I look for somebody like, hey, if something goes down, this guy's sitting near me. He looks like he's a linebacker or something, some college team or something. That guy, if I have to go beat some crazy terrorist down... I'm going to tell that guy on the way, hey, watch my back. You stand in the aisle and you break anybody who tries to come hurt me because that guy's probably not going to be working by himself, so I need somebody to watch my back. And that's kind of the things that I think about. Maybe I'm some crazy psycho guy who's just paranoid and has PTSD. I don't think so. According to what I read about PTSD, I don't have it. So, ha. But these are things that I think about. Is it far-fetched? I don't know. I don't like to fly. So anything that occupies my mind, good or bad, is, is a good thing, in my opinion. Just throw those ideas out there if you're interested. Throw them back if you don't want them. But if you're flying, I, I see this all the time. I, Army guys, Marines, Air Force wearing U.S. Army shirt or a big orange yellow letter U.S. Marine shirt. Come on, man. Are you serious? I mean, you're just like asking. It's kind of like that's, that's the same thing as wearing 5'11 pants to the mall. If somebody's going in there or 5'11 pants and your whole, you know, I wish I was a contractor, but really I'm not anything at all, but I wear 5'11 pants and a khaki hat with an American flag on it. And I ain't gonna lie, I got a khaki hat with an American flag on it. I got a green one too from Bravo Company. And I like it too. It's ripstop. Pretty cool. But I don't wear them all the time and it's not usually mall attire. And I really hate being in Okinawa because I can't wear it anymore because I'm not going to wear something with an American flag on it out in town. I had a gunfighter cast shirt on the other day, 
And my wife wanted to go, or yesterday actually, you wanted to go out in town to go check out some stuff and go shopping. So I had to change shirts. I just, there's just things you do and things you don't do. You don't stand out. You don't say, look, hey, I'm military. Hey, I'm a high-speed guy. Even though maybe you're not a high-speed guy, you just wish you were a high-speed guy, so you try to dress like a cowboy. Uh, you're going to be the first one shot. 5'11 pants and you know those hats or whatever, those are shoot-me-first clothes. That's what they are. And if you're not on the range or you're not in Afghanistan or you're not doing security or whatever that stuff designed for, you know, maybe that's your style and that's fine. But seriously, think a little bit more. Does you want to look like everybody else? I know if I were a bad guy and I planned on being an active killer in a mall every single time, the first thing I would do was look out, look for these guys that are dressed like that. And watch them. Okay, that's who I need to kill first. And if I had multiple people, I would find multiple of these people if there were them in there. And I would station my people in the way we initiate our attack by shooting those people first. You know, that's just the way because you stand out. You're like that guy's probably knows something. He's dressed like this. He's got an infidel hat on. You know, that's who they're gonna kill first. You know, they don't want you to stay alive to kill them. They're smart. They're not stupid. So use it where you need it, where it should be. But just take that for what it's worth. I'm sure I really pissed somebody off out there who wears 5'11 all day, every day. Sorry. All right, your luggage. You don't have to have that luggage. You've all seen it. If you flew an airplane, you've seen it. The Navy guy. Navy's the worst for this. The Navy guy with that luggage that has a patch that says, I was in the Suez Canal and says, I did this and I did that and I went here. You know, wow, that's great, man. We're real proud of you. You don't need to tell everybody that, though. You know, this just maybe years ago that was okay, but the things the way things are nowadays probably not the best idea. You know, wear it, keep carrying your 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 three day pack or whatever kind of pack you got with your Molly all over it. That's right, Molly, Molly. That's what everybody calls it, Molly. Just that's for you, Tom. If you didn't realize, not mole. Just throwing it out there for you, buddy. Just wanted to, I want to save face for you. I want to make sure you look and sound cool. Here for you, Tom. But uh, Molly gear. Right, on your backpack and an American flag patch and a 5th Ranger Battalion. I don't even know if that is a Ranger Battalion. I think so. But that's not the kind of stuff that you want everybody to know. You know, it's really not. Now, maybe that's nice for that little hottie that's in the back seat behind you or whatever to see, but it doesn't do so good if something bad happens. Right? It's really not. So just think about those things before you pick that carry-on or pick that luggage. Just try your best to look like everybody else. Travel in conservative civilian clothing. You know, whatever you're wearing, just dress like everybody else. Try to plan your itinerary and plan wherever your, your stops are and everything around low-risk areas. You know, if you've got to fly from point A to point B, you know, different parts of the world, try not to do have any layovers or any stops in some countries that you probably shouldn't be visiting. Before you go to another country, check with the State Department. Try to get a little intel brief on what's going on, where to stay away from. Good things to go. Safe havens. Check in with the embassy when you get there. That's a little bit more foreign travel, not so much air travel, but it kind of goes hand in hand. All right, just uh, try not to wear anything that identifies you you as a uh, U.S. citizen or especially not a U.S. military or law enforcement person. All right, at the airport, there's a few things that you got to think about. Try to get there early so you shouldn't have any trouble. Keep an eye out for any kind of suspicious activity, anything that's going on. Look for really nervous passengers who keep maintaining eye contact with other people. 
you know, if there's these two guys that are really nervous and they just keep glancing at each other, making eye contact, you know, I'm I'm gonna go tell somebody. That's gonna freak me out a little bit, and uh, I'm gonna have to let somebody know that that's pretty crazy. Uh, hopefully, they're not of Arabic descent, because if they are of Arabic descent, they probably won't get questioned or asked any questions or anything at all, because somebody might say it's racial profiling, even though I reported it and they're being suspicious. Maybe hopefully it's a couple of white people. That way, they'll get racial profiled or, or at least questions or anything because you know how the airport security works man it's one of the most ridiculous organizations in the world hard to believe it's part of the u.s government huh that was definitely sarcasm if you didn't catch it try to get through those security checkpoints as soon as you can be as cooperative as you can just get right through there get it done get out of there and the reason i say that and this is why you know whenever me and my wife go through there we, we get everything prepared first my Shoelaces are we're dressed for this or we're dressed for this. You know, my shoes are, are easily taken off and put on. I've got my keys and all this stuff in my hand. I got everything ready to go. My laptop's ready to come out of the bag. Everything's ready to roll. I can just throw it all in a little container and get through this thing in no time and not hold up the crowd and also keep moving quickly. And the reason I'm, I'm big on getting out of there quick, get through those security checkpoints fast, not because I don't want to stand in line all day. Well, that's part of it, but it's because let's say. Ahmed was coming in there and he was going to blow up flight, you know, 657 or something, you know, random number, whatever flight it is, coming out of from one place to another, I don't know, but they're flying from point A to point B. And say this aircraft is about to get blown up, or this guy's planning on doing that. They've been planning it for a while. And let's say he's got one of them underwear bombs, or maybe he's got a thigh holster bomb, maybe he's got a shoe bomb, who knows? They, they try all kind of stuff. You know, maybe it's a retainer bomb that's in his mouth, who knows? They come up with all kind of stuff. They're very innovative. But let's say that thing's detected right there, right there in that checkout area. Now, there's a couple, maybe 60, 40, 20, who knows how many Pinonia Airport and the way it's laid out, people around in that area right now. He knows he's about to be detected. He knows he's busted. Now, he can either go to jail and uh, he'll hopefully get waterboarded. Unfortunately, we don't do that anymore. And maybe give up his buddies or whatever. Or he can go ahead and do his little Allah bar thing and kill as many people as he can maybe it's not the aircraft that he wanted to blow up but he might want to initiate that device right then to at least get some of them to accomplish a little bit of the mission i don't like being in those areas because if they're going to get caught that's where they get caught a lot of times and they don't want to get caught and if they suspect they're getting caught they might go ahead and make it go boom i don't want to go boom with my family and myself around so i try to roll through there as fast as i possibly can don't ever go to any secluded areas there's just no need to be there it's just asking for trouble. There's a lot of criminals that just hang around airports that know that you're a local. You probably aren't armed. You know, if you're not armed, you know, that's even more of a target. We all know that, contrary to what some people believe. Uh, anybody who leaves unattended baggage, I know we get that little questionnaire and everything. If you see unattended baggage, let somebody know. There's just, I see it. I forget what airport we're in, but I saw some unattended baggage and... Me and the wife got out of there, and I told the first security guard, there's a bag over here. And I, that, it scared me. I mean, it really did. I saw something in the mall in Chesapeake, Virginia. No, this is in Virginia Beach, right next to Chesapeake. Uh, that was just really weird, old-looking suitcase in the middle of the circular part, of the middle of the mall. That was just really – and I, we, she was over looking at something, and I was kind of standing by the, uh, a ways away waiting for her to get out of the store. And I saw it over there, and I watched it for a good – 15, 20 minutes, and that was a good ways away. And I was like, man, that's just weird. 
And I walked around a little bit of an angle, staying away from it, and saw that there was nobody anywhere remotely close to it. And I told the security guy, I left, and me and the wife got out of there. And we actually, yeah, when I told her about it, she was scared to death. And I actually, uh, we were watching the news, and we were waiting to hear something happen. Because, I mean, it was just so suspicious to her and me that we thought we might actually see something on the news. that Not of explosion, but maybe they detected something or found something. I don't know, maybe they did find something. They just didn't tell anybody. But it was pretty suspicious. Now, I know sometimes I tell you guys about things like this happen to me. Maybe you think that I'm making it up or lying or something. I don't know, but I'm not. I don't think these crazy things happen to me. I just think I'm an, I'm an observant. I think they happen to you too. You just don't realize it. If they don't, if you if you in fact do not realize it, I don't know. But I think these are these things are common. It's just whether you see them or not. You know, it's that was probably just some person who worked in one of the kiosks briefcase and they left it there while they were talking to somebody it was probably no big deal at all but to me it was like man i'm getting away from that thing this shouldn't be there it was an anomaly to me but to somebody else you know it's not a big deal am i over paranoid i don't know i'm still alive maybe if i was less paranoid i wouldn't be anymore i don't know so who's to argue and of course, anything you see suspicious, anything at all, anything that raises the hairs on the back of your neck, that gives you that feeling in your gut, report it to somebody. Don't worry about offending anybody or anything. Report it. If something that gives you that gut feeling, just not right, let somebody know. And don't hesitate. All right, let's say you're hijacked. All right, let's say somebody just like jumps up and takes over the airplane. Stay calm. They talk to you, be polite, be courteous, cooperate best you can. Uh, don't volunteer any information. If they ask for identification, try to refrain from giving military or police you know, identification. Uh, try to give them a tourist passport if you can. Uh, you don't want to give them anything official or anything that, that sets you apart from anybody else. Uh, keep in mind, you might not want to go after that first guy. You might want to watch the scenario a little bit. There's probably more than one person taking over that airplane. If you, you want to go ahead and jump up and uh, stop that bad guy. And I know people talk sometimes about don't do anything. Just sit there and relax and stay calm and don't do anything at all. I am, I've, people nowadays don't hijack airplanes because they want to go to the Poconos. You know, they don't hijack airplanes because they just robbed a bank and now they want to you know, make sure they get flown to such and such place. They, rob, they, they hijack airplanes because they want to kill people. They hijack airplanes because they want to fly them into things. They hijack airplanes because it's going to be a mass media event and it's going to get the eye of the world and it's going to show what they can do. They don't, that's why people are hijacking airplanes these days. So I would think it's crazy for someone to sit there and let someone kill them. That's just crazy. Do something. That's my opinion. But do something smart. Engage your mind before you engage that bad guy. But do yourself not do your best not to draw any attention to yourself uh, with any kind of verbal remarks or hostile looks or anything. You don't want to do any of that. You're going to cause more trouble than it's worth. Try now memorize everything you can. Maybe things they kept saying, even if they don't even speak, they're not even speaking the right the same language. Maybe just simple phrases if you can. Uh, the way they look. High, you know, general personal description, all that stuff. Remember that the best you can. Get it in there. Uh, or commit it to memory. And, uh, you know, that's really pretty much all I've got for airport. I, I really, I think I, I got a few more things I wanted to say about airport, but I'm going a little bit far uh, in the show now. But uh, 
when I was talking to somebody the other day, we were just kind of having a conversation about flying, and I, I was coming up with all kinds of stuff, and I wish I'd have wrote them down, uh, some things that I do. Maybe uh, I'm going to get my son uh, flying over to the U.S. here, here in uh, a short amount of time, and I'm going to uh, – maybe I can take some notes and some things that come into my mind, some things I think about and happen, and you know, get back to you guys with that at a later date because uh, it's really fresh in my mind right after flying, but not really now because it's not something I have to do or, or – not a part of my mind that I tap into every day, I guess you could say. All right, so um, I know you're probably bored out of your mind right now because this has been probably the longest gunfighter cast ever. We're at an hour and 15 minutes right now, and I've still got hotel security and residential security to talk about. So what we're going to do, hotel security is not going to take too long, and neither is residential security. So before the next show... And I think we might end up having a question show next show. So send in any questions you got, guys and gals. Send in whatever questions you got, anything. If I can answer it, I'm going to answer it. Right? If I can't answer it, I'll tell you who could probably answer it. Uh, or I'll research it and Google it and pretend like I answered it. I'm just kidding. I don't usually do that, that you know of. But uh, <laughs> if, you, if you do have any questions, uh, I think I got, so I got a few questions I'm going to hit that have been racking up in the email. And I like to respond to every email. So uh, that's probably what the next show is going to be. So I'll hit these two, hotel security, uh, whether you're in the States or abroad, and also things you can do in your house, from selecting a house to everyday activities uh, that your kids should be doing, family should be doing, and shouldn't be doing. Stay tuned for that one. And i got a few more things I'm thinking about doing. I've got one of those cool guys, Surefire M4 uh, foregrips that has the laser and the light on it, uh, the 515. And... I've got a Crimson Trace Grip for a Breta. Now all i got to do is get some bullets and get to a range and bust some caps and tell you guys how great they are. And I want to do it in the rain. I want to do it in the mud. I want to go slam this foregrip against the concrete like I was actually you know, trying to aim over a, a rock wall. And I know where I can do that, the range I can do it and everything. I'm, gonna try to, I'm not going to try to break these things. I'm going to try to use them in a practical way that I feel that Marines... Uh, soldiers, sailors, and airmen are using them out there in Afghanistan, and law enforcement may be using them in a SWAT environment or uh, that active killer environment or just your everyday, whatever you, you carry in your car. I, I want to try to put those items in those situations, and I might write something up. I've never written up a review, uh, but I'll probably end up just talking about it, uh, maybe even both. But uh, it just depends on how, how good it goes. But i got a few things planned on that I want to do with them. I'm a little skeptical on the, uh, the foregrip. Uh, on some of the stuff, but we'll see. It's got a real nice feel to it, and I'll talk about it later on. But uh, if you're interested in getting one of those, stay tuned. They're coming out. Uh, I just threw a picture up of them on Facebook before I started recording this. Uh, got those from Crimson Trace, and I'm going to put them to good use and let you guys know how they work or how they don't work so you can make an informed decision. And I'm going to tell you the truth, whatever, good or bad, I'm expecting great things out of the uh, the grip. Uh, for the pistol, and I got it for a Beretta. I am not, like I said, I'm skeptical over the foregrip. I really am, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know, you know, how it turns out. Uh, but anyway, thanks for staying with me for this incredibly long episode of Gunfighter Cast. Hope I didn't bore you to tears. Hope you learned something. Hope you got something from it today. Um, and thanks for listening. Make sure you tell your friends about Gunfighter Cast if they're into the same things you are. Thank you for all the the iTunes reviews. A couple more recently. I really appreciate that, and I had a lot of people hit the Facebook fan page. Got like 620-ish or something like that now, members. 
thanks guys for inviting your friends over to uh, the Facebook page. I, I want to get more than the gun dudes, man. They got like 900 or something like that. But those guys are a lot funnier than I am. And they got, they got Carl, and who can compete with that guy? He's so cute and funny. Thanks again for hanging out with me, guys, and listening. Get those questions into me, Daniel at GunfighterCast.com, so I can answer them next show. And until next time, Jump Fighter Cast out.